You're listening to the Art of Parenting podcast. I'm your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. My intention is to share with you simple tips and tricks that will make a huge difference in your life, as well as giving you all the support and encouragement you deserve to enhance your parenting experience. I've created this safe place for us to explore the issues and concerns that matter to you bringing you clarity and solutions with Q&A sessions and inspirational conversations with world-renowned experts in a variety of fields. I've recently created a private community for us to continue these supportive and uplifting conversations. Click the Join the Art of Parenting Community Here button on this page and I will see you there. I'm a firm believer that parenting was never meant to be done alone, and I'm here to debunk the general consensus that it has to be hard. A warm welcome to you, and thanks for tuning in. Hello, and welcome back. This is Jeanne-Marie Penel, your host of The Art of Parenting. And today I have a guest that I think you will all enjoy that I'm excited to talk about because um, we're going to be talking about music and plenty of other parenting things. So welcome to the show, Susan Darrow. Uh, Welcome and thank you for making the time to being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Wonderful. So, uh, Susan, as I always like to start uh, our conversation, is having my guests define what the art of parenting means to them. Um, well, I think about uh, it makes me think about parenting trends, and parenting trends change generation to generation. Back when my kids were little, uh, self esteem was the big topic uh, for parents. In past generations, maybe it was discipline or teaching children how to follow rules. To me, the art of parenting isn't keeping up with the current trend in parenting. It's tuning in to children. Uh, Parenting trends change, but child development doesn't. So being responsive to a child's needs in a developmentally appropriate way, that's the real art of parenting. And music just happens to be something that fits easily into the beautiful, messy art of being a parent. Right, right. That beautiful definition. I hadn't, you know, I've, I'm, I've been asking this for what, 60 some times. And, and this notion of trends is so true. You know, we go through these fads of what is appropriate and appropriate and so forth. But like you say, the, the universal need of the child does not change. <laughs> So beautifully said. Thank you for that. Um, And before we get too involved in our conversation, I would love for you to share with our listeners a bit more about what you do and how you got to do the work that you're doing today. Um, I am the CEO of a company called Music Together, uh, which is an early childhood music and movement uh, program. And I, I started out as an actor, I wanted to be an actor when I was uh, you know, just going to college. And I started doing children's theater, which I loved, but that's hard to make a living at. So when my first son was born, I started working at a parent resource center as a parenting coach. And I actually began leading parenting groups. Uh, and that's when I found Music Together. And it turned out to be a, just a perfect fit for me because here was this wonderful, high quality music program that focused primarily on teaching the parents how to be musical with their child. So Mm. the program really combined my two loves, music and parent education. 
Wonderful. So now I'm really lucky to be able to do what I do. Um, like I said, I feel like I found the perfect fit. And and can you can you um, explain a little bit more about this program for those who don't know what Music Together is? Yes, uh, we are, uh, like I said, a music and movement program for families with children starting at birth all the way through age eight. Uh, and we do this mostly through weekly classes where a trained teacher leads music and movement activities. Everyone participates. So not just the children, the parents, the grownups, caregivers, everyone participates at their own level and in their own way. So our job, in other words, the teacher's job is to model for the grownups how to engage with their child playfully with music. Uh, we know, uh, and I know from looking at your website uh, as a Montessori person, we know that children learn through play and by absorbing and then experimenting with the world around them. Well, with music, that means we need to expose children to a rich music environment and then give them a chance to experiment with sound and experiment with movement. Uh, and so the, the program is kind of based on that philosophy. It's actually very aligned with the Montessori way of thinking. We also provide uh, materials that go home. So each family receives a songbook and recordings. So the music doesn't just happen once a week in class. The music happens all throughout the week. That's really key because of the, the way young children learn. Again, a one-year-old, a once a week class experience is you're not going to they're not going to be much learning that happens once a week in 45 minutes, but all, all week long, day in and day out, if the music continues, then you're really, you're really immersing that child in a music environment. Right, right. Beautifully. And, and I love what you say about, you know, exposing them to that rich music environment, because that is how language develops too, right? Is, is, is that exposure is what is going to help the brain makes sense and, 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 you know, start acquiring language. So it's true that if we don't feed that, then it will never happen. So beautiful. Love that you said that. Um, it, it's one of the things we talk to parents about that when you watch your child learn their native language, and if you really understand what happens as the, it, it happens to me, it's like a little miracle that happens when a child mm -hmm. learns how to talk. Uh, they, we don't, we don't take a baby to an English class to teach them to learn English. We immerse them in a language environment. And we know that if you speak to a child and, and offer enough words and language, they grow up naturally learning to speak. Well, the same principle then applies to music at this age. That's why we're not a program that teaches children the notes on the staff. We're not a program that teaches them how to play a keyboard. We're basically teaching them to speak the language of music. And the way we do that is through immersion. It just means making sure that music is a part of your day in and day out life, your family life. And we know that children can grow up becoming fluent in the language of music just as easily as they can uh, their native language. Right, right. And it's about, I mean, for me, it's also when you when you talk about that language, it's also that the, the I guess the acquisition of, you know, being able to decipher later notes and instruments and, and so forth. It's really that auditory sense, right? That muscle that we are, we are in a way training to, to be able to listen better. Exactly. That's exactly right. 
And, you know, we teach, unfortunately, so often we teach music backwards. We try to teach the notes on the staff as the first experience of learning music, when really that should be the last experience. How, it's like, the, how, why would you teach a child to read words before they can talk, right? You need to teach them to speak before they, before they write or read. And same thing with music. We want them to speak the language of music and then learn to read and write it. Yeah. And, and are you, do you know at all the Montessori music curriculum? I am not, not closely, no. Okay. Because you're describing exactly what it is. It's just beautiful because we start. So I worked in, a, in an environment with a two and a half to six-year-olds, right? We, we have them in the environment for three years. And we basically start really with um, these little sound cylinders, right, where they're just matching similar sounds. And then only then do we move to the bells that are beautiful. It's it's the scale and it's just a beautiful sound. And again, they're just matching the sounds. And then much later on, do we show them the notes? And it, it's just that that progression, right, of of training the ear to to hear the to hear the sounds. So that's I love that. I love to hear that. And you know, most parents know. Uh, your child has to babble in language before they actually learn to speak it. Well, the same thing is true with music. They have to babble in tones and notes in order to be able to sing. They also need to babble in movement. We have, we have a phrase, we call it movement babble. And it's when you watch a, a two-year-old kind of dancing, uh, it doesn't look like dancing the way we think of it as adults, but it's absolutely that child's way of dancing. And they have to do that in order to learn coordination and rhythm in their bodies. Right, right. And to and to encourage that babbling, right? There's no, like, we, we need to babble, like you say, before we're able to speak. So to, to be able to just wiggle and move. Um, I love that. To me, music is such a big, big part of my life. Like I've, I've, you know, I have both parents who just um, made me listen to all sorts of music. I never learned an instrument. Some of my siblings did, but I just, it's, I know how powerful it is and it's so soothing. I know I often encourage parents to maybe use a piece of music to help children with transition sometimes, uh, because then it's just an auditory reminder, right? You don't have to be reminding and nagging. You just put on that piece of music and they know that they're going to move into, you know, something else. So music is, is such a beautiful universal language. And I love that you, you know, you have this program, that's just devoted to that. So thank you for that. Um, I did have a question about how did you manage these past two years? <laughs> because, because I know, I mean, I know in my area, I'm, I'm in the Southern California, you know, music together are really wonderful, uh, you know, in-person activities where I think friendships are also uh, nurtured among parents and, and children and so forth. And, here we were deprived of all of that. So how how did music together manage all of their parents and children through this? It's been rough. Uh, and yeah. anybody in, in early childhood uh, has, has dealt with uh, the, the pandemic uh, as best as they can. But this, I think this is the community that's probably been the hardest hit. Uh, 
or one of the hardest hit, I should say, um, because children do need connection. Families need connection with other families. We did go to online classes uh, that worked. It was certainly a, a great stopgap measure. It, it held us over. Um, but I think all of us missed the, the music making in community. That you have to remember, uh, families, when they join music together, they're very often joining it because they think it's going to be good for their child and, and they want their child to learn music. And what they find in coming to classes is that the adults themselves feel incredibly connected with other families. So it creates this community that I think parents are really in need of, uh, especially now, given these past couple of years of isolation. Uh, families are coming back right now to classes in droves because they're uh, just so excited to, to come back together. So it was such an eye-opening experience these last couple of years, realizing how much I've always known there's a need for what we do, for what, for what Music Together does, but it has been driven home in a very deep way these last couple of years because we couldn't do it. We couldn't do it the way that we, we wanted to do it. Right. Right. And it's so true, you know, what you say about, I think all of these activities, parents, um, you know, do it with the intention that it is for the child, the development, but it's really about needing community, needing to, you know, find our village. And I know I used to run, um, these mommy and me groups and I'm, I'm just so, always so happy to see that some of these parents have, you know, stayed in touch and become great friends and their children have become great friends even after many, many years, because we do parent even, even before the pandemic, we, we parent in total isolation, I think in our modern parenting ways and that we need, we need that, you know, interaction. So beautiful. Um, and how, how did you, um, like, did you raise your children with with a lot of music in your home? I mean, I'm assuming being an actor and being a creative person was was music a big part of their upbringing. Yes, it was, and and uh, we did it very naturally. When I when I first found music together, my son was five years old, and what I was learning about music together was making me realize, wow, we had done what music together, uh, you know, promotes or, or encourages to do. We'd been doing it naturally. My, I'm very musical. My husband was very musical. Uh, we have guitars all over the house. We have a piano. We, music was just something we did very naturally, uh, you know, and it was how I was raised. So my children were very much immersed in a music environment right from the get-go, right from the, you know, from the start. My son started taking piano lessons at the age of five, and he really, really wanted to take piano lessons. And he continued to do that. It wasn't until he was around 10 years old that he realized that not every kid has to practice piano every day. And he was mad at me, man. He was like, wait, my, my friends don't have to, why don't I, because I made it sound like, you know, hey, sorry, bud, you got to practice piano. You got to do it every day. You got to, you know, I made it sound like a law. And he was mad at me when he found out that that wasn't the case for all, all of his friends. But that's how naturally we treated it. Uh, it's one thing I encourage parents to do if you're thinking about formal instruction, like piano lessons, make it seem natural. Don't make it something that's extra or special. Make it very much a part of every single day. And the way we treated practicing piano, we treated, treated it like brushing your teeth. Well, 
Most children don't love to brush their teeth, but you got to do it. It's something you got to do every day. So that's the way we treated um, piano le piano lessons, but practicing in particular. Uh, the long story now, the, the end of the, uh, the story is my son was a music major in college and is now a professional musician. So that oh, wow. would not happen. And that doesn't usually, I mean, I'm not saying that I don't want to mislead people to think that that's always going to happen, but it's, it's really about creating a music environment. And one of the things that, uh, that we try to teach parents to do or teach parents is that you don't have to be super musical yourself in order to create a music environment for your children. It's not about how well you sing. It's not about being a dancer. It's not about being a musician. It's just about doing music every day and doing it the way you love. So if you just really like just tapping your foot along to a song, or if you like bouncing your child on your knee while you're singing a song, or if you like belting out Broadway show tunes, any way you make music, as long as you're doing it daily, it's not just something that happens once in a while. That's the key with early childhood. It's making it every single day a part of your life. Right. And I like that you say that because it's true that, you know, I know for language development, I encourage, you know, parents to, to read and talk and sing to their children. But, you know, your parents are, are oh, my gosh, I, I can't sing or whatever. And to me, it's like, no, we all... <laughs> We all have music in in our body, and it's part of our DNA. And it's just about you know, like you say, expressing it in your own unique way. And the child loves your voice, no matter what it sounds like. So please, oh, that is so true. <laughs> child's favorite voice in the world is parent exactly voice. Yeah, and, and by the way, that's the reason the program is called Music Together. Mm -hmm. It's not called Music with Susan. It's music together because the together is the parent. They are so parents are so key to children's music development, just as they are to all children's development, uh, but especially when. You know. Yeah, and are there any like studies about kind of the the brain development and what music um, does or or the lack of? I mean, are there are there yeah, studies that encourage us, that, that that's going to encourage the parent to really be mindful about, you know, offering music to their child. There, uh, there's many, many now. Uh, uh -huh. Most parents are familiar with the idea that music uh, enhances all kinds of learning, not just music learning, but music is good for math and spatial reasoning and music is good for language skills and music enhances uh, social emotional development. That's really key right now, given coming out of COVID, uh, social emotion development is one of the things that most, a lot of parents are very concerned about. Well, music supports that. What, the way we talk about it at Music Together is we say music learning supports all learning, which it does. And, um, and so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of research about it. There's a lot, there've been a lot of studies. One of the things that I am always concerned about is that parents sometimes think, well, I'll do music because it'll make my child smarter in math or I'll do music because it'll help them with their language skills. As far as I'm concerned, that any, any reason you do music is a good reason, but we have to be careful not to diminish doing music for its own sake. So that it, it, whenever we say, well, music makes you smarter at math, it's somehow, I don't know, I think it, it feels to me like it dilutes the, the importance of just doing music for its own sake. So it's one of the things I talk about whenever, and this is a common question I get asked in interviews is, is tell, you know, talk about how music 
is good for all kinds of development. And it absolutely is. Again, there's lots of uh, research about it. But I also want to make sure to put front and center that music in and of itself is worth doing because we are all born innately musical. We are all born with the capacity to be a music maker. Right. And to me, I mean, I always think of, of music as a universal language, right? It's, 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 it's you, you learn about a culture, you, you, you travel, you hear different music. I mean, it's just, it, it's, yeah, it's universal. There's, there's happy music, there's sad music. It's, it's like, it's, it's an emotional language. It's, um, and that's, that's interesting that you say that because I know that, uh, Oftentimes there's conversation as to having music on all the time that that kind of diminishes the kind of honing in and the focus on certain pieces of music. And I know, and this is, you know, my take on it, and and I'd love to have your opinion on this, but I prefer to... um, have music really with intention that it's not like just background music that it's not just background noise because then I feel that we we're not paying attention and we're 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 ignoring it so sometimes yes you know when I'm working or focused I'll have kind of meditative music or something that 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 keeps me focused but I'm talking more about in a home or even in a classroom. I've been in classrooms where there's this background music on all day long, and I just feel like we're, we're kind of missing the point of listening. Does that make sense? I mean, Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, I think that uh, the idea of putting mu- just putting music on all the time, for a child, it becomes white noise. And it becomes it, it, it really becomes almost immaterial then. If, if, so there is such a thing as playing music too much for your child for a couple of reasons, for the reasons that you just stated, where it, it needs, there needs to be some intention or purpose behind it. But also uh, children need processing time. So if you're playing, if they have music going, you know, hitting them day in, day out, all day long, they have no time to think music. And the thinking music, that's called audiation. Uh, when you audiate, you need silence. You can't audiate in a sound environment. You need a silent environment in order to think the music. And children, young children are developing the skill to audiate or think the music, but they need the silence in order to do that. So it's balance. For me, it's all about balance. So playing music for your child is great. Having silence for your child is great. Playing music on a recording is great sometimes, but don't always play the music. How about singing? How about dancing your child? In other words, don't limit it to just the recording because children, I mean, recording is better than nothing for sure. But the best music model for a young child is the parents singing voice and the parents moving uh, themselves. So, and then I wanna say one more thing about this um, because I get asked this all the time by parents. What's the most important kind of music to play for my child. And what's interesting is I think most parents expect me to say classical, you know, Bach, Beethoven, Mozart, that that somehow that's the most important music. And it isn't. The most important music to play for your child is the music you love as a parent. Oh, Susan, that is music to my ears. Thank you. Oh, yes. 
And the reason for that is that if if my child, if I'm cooking dinner, my child is playing with toys in, in the in the same room, and I start to sing a music together song, which I love, but it's not my favorite. It's not my favorite music. I you know as an adult, um, I mean sure they'll learn a little bit, but if my child sees me singing Aretha Franklin while I'm doing dishes, which is R&B is my favorite music. <laughs> He's going to learn a lot more in that moment about music than if I sang a music together song, or if I just sang a song that I thought was going to be good for him. It's all about shit for parents. It's all about sharing what you love about music, not, not the skills around music making, not, you know, what's good or bad for your child. It's all about what you love and any genre is fine. Any kind of music doesn't have to be children's music. It could be anything at all. As long as it's something you really love and have a passion for, that's what you're sharing for, with your child. Mm. Oh, I just love that so much because <laughs> it's something that I'm often, you know, reminding like, please share, share the music that you enjoy. Like you don't have to be, you know, doing these nursery rhymes all the time that, that, you know, that are on repeat and that, that make you go crazy. It's like you're, it's more about, you know, really, and that's why I said, you know, at the beginning for me, music is so important because my, my father, who's not at all a musician, but has always, just been an immense listener. I mean, I remember we used to listen to um, Arabic music or, you know, Corsican men singing. I mean, all this different type of music that has just, I think, opened my my mind to to all these, you know, fabulous different music around the world. And to this day, I'm always looking for you know, world music and to, to discover, uh, what's out there as opposed to, like you say, you know, and, and I think there was, wasn't there a whole fad actually, when you were talking about trends earlier about, uh, that you had to have only classical music on for your children or it was, um, yeah, that, it, that was a, it was a, a, it was actually a study, a research study okay. that got blown, it got blown out of proportion in the and, and it got misunderstood as somehow um, uh, uh, hearing Bach before you take a spatial reasoning test allows you to score higher on that test. And, and the study, it was the, the interesting thing, if I remember it correctly, the study was dealing with college students, not children. It was college students. And yes, there was a significant increase in test scores following uh, some kind of, I think it was Bach, but some kind of classical expo music exposure. But it became this whole idea of, of uh, oh, it was called the Mozart effect. Right? If you remember Don Campbell's book, um, it, it, that's, it, again, it got blown out of proportion in the media. And it's, I think it's something that I would like to squash that a bit because, first of all, it sets up expectations for parents that I think are unrealistic and, and unnecessary. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and to me, yeah. go ahead. So, so, sorry, I was just going to say, like, I, I don't know about this study, but it, it sounds to me like if you're going to listen to a classical piece before a test, it's almost like getting yourself in a meditative state, right? Because, I mean, that's kind of what classical music does to me. It puts me in a very chill, I mean, I guess it depends on which piece I'm listening to, but most often kind of a very, you know, 
theta brainwave and, and, and chill. So, you know, why don't we just meditate before taking a test? <laughs> right. Well, the, 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 yeah. the research in terms of brain, uh, brain function, there's no question that music has an impact on our brains. And that's why we, we talk about it in music together is for, especially for babies, music has superpowers when it comes to babies' brains. Uh, there, there's, you know, again, lots of studies out there that talk about how exposure to music, especially early on, really does strengthen your baby's brain and and and, and increases their learning power. Um, but I think again, it, it's 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 about expectations. I want I don't want parents to think that just by playing a song, you're somehow going to have an impact on your child's uh, test scores. That's that's where it gets blown out of proportion. It's much more important and much more valuable to in incorporate music into your family life. That's what will have a long-lasting effect on your child. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And I remember a family that I was working with and the father one day told me, oh, our life has just turned into a musical because he was he he made a song for everything right it was changing a diaper cooking uh cleaning getting in the car whatever and it was everything was a song so i thought that was that was really beautiful uh thank you this has been this has been uh really delightful and and i would love if there's any maybe um other misconceptions or like you said that parents have expectations around music that you would like to maybe debunk um well one thing today's parents are just bombarded with information much more than in past generations they have they have the answers to all their questions at their fingertips i have a brand new grandson who's a, a little over a year old now and i see this with with his family uh, it's great when your baby wakes up at 3 a.m. screaming, you can Google what to do, like in the moment. But all that information can lead to stress and actually make it more difficult sometimes for parents to make decisions because there are so many opinions out there. Um, I can tell you my own son and daughter-in-law with their baby, though they are both well-educated, competent, creative people, but they had no clue what to do with this tiny little infant, especially when he was a newborn. And they especially didn't know how to play with him. So this is one of the things that I, I think parents, uh, they can get all the information they can from Google and everything else. How to play with your baby is something that's hard to learn on Google. <laughs> that's hard to, hard to, to learn that uh, in, in, you know, on the internet. So um, it's one of the things that a program like Music Together or, or something like that can help with. It's it, teaching, what we do is teach parents how to play musically with their child from the time they're born. So it starts very, very early. The other misconception, I don't know if it's a misconception, but it's, uh, it's a real concern is screen time um, and, and our reliance on technology. I know parents are actively looking for ways to engage their children, but it can be hard when we spend so much of our day in front of a screen. So again, uh, do something that gets them out and gets the parent out from behind the screen, including their phone, um, and play with your child without having the screen there. That that's one of the keys. Yes, very very important. I'm glad that you brought that up because I I have seen that uh, in the questions that I'm getting to of you know younger and younger children being long periods of time on screen, and then you know their parents are wondering why 
they can't turn it off because their child is having a tantrum. It's like, well, don't start it in the first place. But that's a whole other that's a whole other episode. But thank you for for that because it is it is so important. And you know, like we were saying earlier with the pandemic, well, we did end up relying on the screen a lot because you know you you even had your courses probably on whether it was zoom or recorded or whatever so we needed to be you know on a screen but now that we no longer need to it's like weaning off of it and being um you know getting down on the floor and just playing you know and, and what did you call it a, a movement babble babble moving uh with your child that's beautiful that's beautiful. Uh, thank you for, for all of this uh, wonderful information. And I would love to um, kind of wrap up with a more personal question. You've mentioned, um, actually two, two questions maybe I have, because you mentioned that you have children, grown children. Um, may I ask how old is the oldest? My son is 34 okay. and my daughter's 32. Okay. So if you were to go back to 35 years ago when you were expecting your first one, what wise words would you tell yourself knowing all that you know today? Well, I think I would, uh, I, I think I'd say don't sweat the small stuff. Mm. Uh, that was the hardest lesson for me with my first child. Mm -hmm. By the time second came along, I got it. But learning to relax and not stress about the things that really don't matter, uh, that was hard. And even now when I meet a parent, I can usually tell if they're a first-time parent or not. New parents just naturally worry about everything. And I suppose that will always be the case. I'm not sure that that's going to change. But the other thing I would say, and we've been talking about it, is to make music a part of your regular day. Whatever, again, whatever that means to you, have a dance party every night during, you know, the bewitching hour between 5 and 6 p.m. when the children get cranky. Put some music on and have a dance party. It's one of the easiest ways to break the crankies. Um, find a way to do music every day. And I will say the, the maybe the most important thing parents can do, sing your child to sleep at night. Mm. And, and especially if you can start this early, start it when your child's a baby, if you can. Um, pick, pick a song that it doesn't even have to be a lullaby. You can pick any song you like and just slow it down and sing it slowly and sing it with some heart and do that every single night. This is, this is the one thing parents can do that can have a, a really profound, long lasting effect on your whole family life. And it's just a great way to remember to make music every day, do it every day at that time. That's beautiful. And can this, um, singing to sleep can it be humming sure absolutely okay, okay. it can be humming or you can sing the song on just do 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 you don't have to sing it with work right just okay humming is fine too uh keep reminding yourself that no matter how badly you think you sing you have the most beautiful singing voice in the world to your child. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. I love that. And so my, my other question that was more personal is you mentioned that you have a grandson. Is this your first yes. grandchild? Yep. Okay. Any words of wisdom to grandparents? Uh, get involved. Essentially everything I said, my advice to parents, I grandparents can do as well. Hmm. Uh, you, you know, you take it on. If you're a grandparent, I would take on the role of I'm the music grandparent. Mm. I'm the music nana. I'm the music grandpa. I'm the and make music your thing that you do with your grandchild. 
it, this, of course, there's no, you know, generations don't matter here when it comes to music making. The more, the better in the family. The more people you can involve, the better. I think sometimes older generations have less um, self, uh, they're less inhibited maybe yes. than, than maybe a, a younger parent might be. So take advantage of that. And, you know, we really embrace the idea of, of dance like nobody's watching, sing like nobody's listening, uh, because it's not about that. It's not about how you sing or how you dance. It's just a matter of doing it. Right, right. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. Any any parting words that you would like to leave our listeners with? Just share your love of music. Uh, again, whatever that may be, whatever kind of music you like, and whatever you like to do with music, whether it's singing or dancing or playing guitar or anything. Being a musician doesn't mean playing an instrument. Being a music- musician means playing your primary instrument, which is your voice and your body. Mm. So that's, that's what you want to model for your children. So that's the one thing I would say. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Susan, for making the time to be here with us today and hopefully inspiring all the families listening to be musical, to dance with your children, play with your children, and just enjoy. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Art of Parenting. And if you did, please make sure to share it with your loved ones. And do come share your takeaways in our private Facebook community. I'd also be grateful for a review on iTunes so it can get heard by many more. And remember, if you've got a question, let me know. I'm here for you. Till next time.